How is everybody doing? Good. This is, if we haven't had the chance to meet, my name's Luke. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so excited to be able to spend a little bit of time with you, get to share with you this weekend. Um, we were talking, I think this is like the third New Year's week that I've actually preached. So I guess the years are going okay, so they're not going to change it right now. So I've, I've, I've joked with everybody, like I'm the new New Year's baby. I, I toyed around with the idea of putting on a bow tie and a top hat and coming out here. But um, regardless, I'm super excited that, um, that you're here and that we get a chance to spend a little bit of time together today. Uh, it's, it's New Year's. It's crazy that Christmas just flew by and it was so cold. <laughs> and, uh, but it's warm now. It's like spring again and for a, a little while. But I'm excited with the opportunity to share, but I'm excited about the opportunity of a new year. A new year is a chance for a new start, a fresh start. S- some people do resolutions. I can't stick to them, so I don't pretend like I'm going to. Um, but it's, it's a chance for adventure. It's a chance for some challenges. Um, it's a chance for some unexpected surprises. That list goes on and on and on. And my family actually gets to... Um, gets one of those unexpected surprises this year because we found out not too long ago that we're actually expecting our third kid. And so we're really excited and surprised and shocked about that. We have two boys. Yeah, we have two boys. And um, we just thought this one was going to be a boy too, but it's actually going to be a little girl. And so we're really excited about that too. Um, But surprises all around, right? But I'm excited about that. I'm excited to share with you what I believe God's put on my heart for us um, as we are staring at a brand new year. And so we're super just excited about what God's going to do. And I promise that this message tonight is going to be encouraging. It's going to be hopeful. It might just take us a little bit to get there, but just hang with me and we'll get there together. Okay? Okay? All right. We're along for the ride. All right. So we're just going to jump in tonight. And I believe God's going to speak to us if, if we'll allow him to. Okay? And so we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can, change, you can turn to that. It's going to be up on these screens as well, but Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and I'm going to share a message that's really been on my heart here lately, and we're just going to jump right in. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, we're going to pick up in verse 10, and this is what the Bible says. It says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. Talk about a scripture after Christmas, right? We're super excited. We've got everything we wanted, but he says, I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for my labor, Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and all that I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. Chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And I want you to notice this next phrase because you may can relate to what he's about to say next. Maybe you find yourself thinking this thought or thinking this phrase or maybe you've thought this phrase before. And maybe you're starting a brand new year and you're staring down the brand new year and you're smiling. Maybe you're watching online and you're smiling and you're happy and, you're ex- and, and people think you're fine, but you would say what he does in verse 17, so I hated life. I'm just not getting anything out of this life or what it's supposed to be. It's just not what I thought it would be. He goes on to say, because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. That word grievous means oppressive or depressing. He goes on to say, all of it's meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Let me ask you, have you ever been so excited about something to where you've, you had something that you kind of set yourself up for that you thought, man, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be exciting. This is, we can't wait. Your expectations were through the roof. You know, you set the bar so high and then it finally gets here and it wasn't anything like you had planned. Anybody ever been there? 
Parents, we're really good at that at Christmas time, right? We, get, we buy something and we're super excited about it. We throw it under the tree. We make them wait until the very last present to open, right? And we're just anticipating. And if their kids are like mine, I've got one that tears it up and I've got one that's like one strand at a time. And I'm like, open the present. And so we're so excited about it. And they open it and they're like, cool, what's next? Slide it to the side. And you're like, time out. What do you mean what's next? I will take you out on Christmas morning because that's the best gift that's ever been given. You better open that and rethink yourself, right? That's what we think. And sometimes we can set the expectations for something like that that just doesn't live up to the hype. But here's the thing. It doesn't just happen with gifts. We do that with life, don't we? It can be frustrating when that happens because, again, you build up these expectations of what you think life is supposed to be like. But when it happens doesn't turn out quite the way we thought. It gets dreadful. Sometimes it gets disappointing, oppressive, sometimes even depressing. And here's the deal. I think people go through life trying to give themselves everything they desire and it still doesn't satisfy. And you may be here today or you may be watching online and you're here at the end of a year and you're, you're, you've tried a lot of things. You've tried possessions. You've tried entertainment. You've tried vacations. You've tried stuff. Maybe even Christmas this year just wasn't what you thought it should be. And so when you get to the end of it, you gave yourself everything you ever wanted, but you still find yourself saying, life just isn't what I thought it would be. The guy writing this, his name is King Solomon, and he was a guy who had everything anybody could possibly want. The Bible tells us he was the richest, wisest man who ever lived. Yet here he is saying, I gave myself everything I wanted. I, I bought it. I did it. I tried it. Yet at the end of the day, it was all meaningless. And then he gives us a clue as to why it was meaningless. He says, because everything that I was doing was under the sun. Now here's the thing I want you to hear today, and that is this. I think most of us go through life trying to become satisfied, trying to become happy, trying to have as much as we can. And at the end of the day, it's not there because we're focused on all that stuff that's right under the sun. And for Solomon, he says it became oppressive like he was chasing the wind. And he found himself in this cycle that if we're honest, we find ourselves in too sometimes. This cycle caused Solomon to feel frustrated and tired and unfulfilled. Has life ever made you feel frustrated or tired or unfulfilled? Anybody? Just me? Nobody? Okay. All right, so Solomon, the richest, wisest man, a guy who had everything at his fingertips, felt this way. He felt tired, unfulfilled, he felt frustrated. And I just want to show you just some, a couple of examples of, of what he says that kind of alludes to this fact. If you back up to chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes, look at verse 2, we start to see he just sounds frustrated. Look at what he says in verse two through four. He says, life is useless, all useless. You spend your life working, but what do you have to show for it? The world stays the same. Verse five, he goes on to say some other things that, that just kind of reveal that he's getting a little tired. Look at what he says. He says, the sun rises and it still goes down. The wind blows round and round and back again. Every river flows into the sea and then the water returns where the rivers begin and starts all over. Everything leads to weariness, a weariness too great for words. Let me put this in today's language, okay? 
You go to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, cut the grass Saturday, go to church Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, cut the grass Saturday, go to church on Sunday. It's this cycle that Solomon started to realize, and it was exhausting. The same thing over and over again. And Solomon was noticing that this cycle just repeats himself, and it just, he was tired. Anybody ever been tired? Look at verse 8. We start to see that he's now he's, he's starting to show that not only is he tired, not only is he frustrated, he's starting to feel unfulfilled. Look at what he says in verse 8. He says, no matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're not content. History merely repeats itself. Solomon found himself tired, frustrated, and unfulfilled. And you may find yourself here at the end of a new year staring down another one that's coming, thinking to yourself, I'm tired I'm frustrated, I'm unfulfilled, and I cannot have another year like I did last year. Well, believe it or not, like I said, I actually do have some hope for you, (laughs) okay? If you feel trapped, if you feel stuck in this cycle that Solomon found himself in, and you thought the possessions, and you thought the trips, and you thought the stuff would satisfy, and it didn't, and you're looking for a way out, I believe I have that way out for you tonight. I'm going to give you one single thought that has the potential to absolutely shape your 2023. You want to hear it? I'm going to tell you anyways, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is where we find that in verse 16. But before we get there, let me set it up for you, okay? The guy who wrote this part of scripture, this book, his name is Paul. And Paul was the complete opposite of Solomon, all right? He didn't have anything. In fact, if you're looking for an example of someone who's, It was just like life was out to get him. It was Paul. All right? The Apostle Paul, every place he went, he was beaten, it seemed like. He was thrown in jail. He was whipped. In fact, the 39 lashes that Jesus took that nearly killed him, Paul received five times. He was in prison many times. He was shipwrecked. The Bible says that he spent a day and a night in the open sea, meaning that he was just floating around the Mediterranean like a cork. And then he finally gets to land, and a snake bites him. And it's like, this dude cannot catch a break. I'm telling you, it never worked out for him, yet he says something here that I want us to see tonight. And this statement's my prayer as we start a brand new year, for all of us to be able to start our year by being able to say this phrase that he starts in in this this part of Scripture, that we would get to a point in our life where we could actually say these same words— He says in verse 16, he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Now, let me stop for a second. Wouldn't you like to be able to say that regardless of what happens this next year, regardless of what the stock market does or the housing market does, or regardless of what your kids do or what your job does or what your boss says, regardless of what the weather does, regardless of anything that you go through this year, that you could still say, it doesn't mess me up. I don't lose heart. Wouldn't you love to be able to say that? Wouldn't you love to know the secret behind a statement that powerful? Especially when it comes from a guy who experienced such a rough life. He goes on to say in that verse, he says, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And for our light and momentary troubles, let me pause right there. There was nothing light nor momentary about what Paul was facing. But because of the truth that we're about to hear, it felt like that for him. 
He goes on to say, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs it all. Now I want you to hear this. What Paul was teaching us here is a great spiritual truth. And that is that the secret to solving your problems is not to solve your problems. The secret to solving your problems is to having something in your life bigger than your problems. He's saying, I have just as much stuff going on as you do. I have just as many problems as you do. But the difference here is that I have something in my life that outweighs it. It's bigger than that. My focus, my attention is on something bigger than what I'm currently going through. And here's my theory. I think that if you really want to solve your problems, instead of just trying to fix everything all the time and trying to solve it on your own, You need something in your life that's bigger than your problems. You need someone in your life that's bigger than your problems that helps serve as a distraction from those problems. And he's saying right here that the secret to that is what we choose to focus on. Are you getting this? This is huge. How can we still have joy when the world around us is anything but joyful? How can we still have peace when the world around us is anything but peaceful? Well, Paul tells us the secret. He goes on to say, so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what's unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, I want to suggest to you one simple thing, one simple thought that could absolutely change how you live this next year. And that is that instead of living with our eyes completely focused on everything, as Solomon said, as under the sun, everything that's temporary, everything that's right here, What would it be like if we decided to absolutely shift our focus from the temporary to the eternal? What would happen if we decided to shift our focus off of our problems and onto what God says about us? I can tell you one difference is that it would outweigh every problem you faced. You would find yourself that regardless of what this new year dished at you, you would find yourself saying, I'm never losing heart. I know what he says. I know who's walking the storm with me. And that's my prayer for us today. And you might be saying, Luke, that sounds great. But how do you live that out? How is that practical? And I'm so glad that you asked that question. You guys always ask the right questions at the right time. And I'm going to tell you what I believe is the answer to that. I want to give you four things tonight. Four things that you can walk out of this door tonight and do that will help shift your focus from the temporary things of this world to the eternal. All right, four things. If you're taking notes, here's the first one. You ready? Starts with prayer. You gotta pray. Prayer is one of the greatest ways for you to shift your focus. Colossians chapter three, verse one through two, it says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not above on earthly things. Instead of coming to this place of prayer and constantly telling God about your issues and your temporary problems and your earthly issues, like, God, why don't you just show up? God, why can't you help me? God, I'm gonna throw a pity party right now. Why can't you just do this for me? What would happen? I I believe that the real secret to prayer is that it's a process. In fact, there's one definition of prayer that I absolutely love, and it says this, that prayer is a process where heaven becomes our reality. Did you know that prayer is not about coming and informing God about the world and the situations of the world like he doesn't know what's going on? 
But God, they're doing it again. I know. <laughs> he doesn't know, like, like he doesn't know what's going on. It's a process where we are able to, to get to a place where we shift our focus off of the stuff of this world that's temporary and onto him and what he's about. It's getting to a place where we take on this new attitude and a new mind and a new heart. In fact, if you've ever read the book of Psalms, you know, you'll notice that David, who wrote, most of the, uh, who wrote the Psalms, in the first couple of verses of just about every one of them, he has the worst attitude of anybody. He's either pouting, he's either mopey, and or he's either ready to, he's mad at the people and he's ready to hurt them. Right? He's like, God, beat up my enemies, send the fleas of a thousand camels to their armpits. It's like, just, just take them out. But when you keep reading those Psalms towards the end of it, you can notice his attitude begins to shift. Because he eventually gets to a place where he says, but Lord, you alone. Or Lord, I worship you. Or God, have your way. So I wanted to show you this. So I'm gonna, I just pulled just a, a random psalm. It has nothing to do with my message, but I want to show you this process right here. Psalm 13 is, is the example that I pulled. All right, he starts out saying, how long, God? Are you going to forget me forever? You hear the pity part? He's like, where are you at? Like, how long are you going to hide from me? But when you get to the end of it, he says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. What happened? Somewhere in the beginning of that psalm to the end of that psalm, David's focus shifts and his priorities begin to change. And instead of focusing on his situation and instead of focusing on his circumstances, he begins to focus and he shifts his focus on the stuff of heaven and his attitude changes. Do you see that? And truly prayer became a process for him where the problems of his world started out at the forefront of it. But by the end of it, they were no longer the big picture. Instead, his focus shifted on the things of God. And I think that's what prayer does for us. That's what worship does for us. That's what getting in his presence does for us. You know, we, we come in here and, and we've had a rough week and our problems are big and our God seems small. But by the time we get in his presence and by the time we pray and by the time we spend time with him, our God is big and our problems are small. And there's an old chorus I remember singing growing up, and you, many of you have sung this song too. It's turn your eyes upon Jesus, and the things of earth do what? Grow strangely dim. I believe God's calling us as a church this year to a new level of prayer to where we're no longer accepting the world's reality as ours, but instead we're taking what God's word says, and we're going to trust in our big God. Amen? So the first thing, if you want to shift your focus, is you've got to pray. The second one, if you want to shift your focus, is to serve. You've got to serve. Did you know that serving is one of the greatest ways that you can shift your focus to the eternal? That, you know why? Because you finally find a way to make a significant contribution by using the giftings and the abilities that God has put inside of you. He's put things inside of you that he didn't put in someone else. He has things for you to do that he doesn't have for someone else to do. Did you know that only you can do what God's called you to do? It's one thing to know you're gifted and know your abilities. It's another thing to use it. And how many of you know that God doesn't just give us the gifts and our abilities just to sit on and just say, yeah, I can do this. 
He gifts us with those things so that we can use them to influence people for him, to serve others. And you can look around here tonight. You can look here around here today and every weekend and you see people on amazing teams. We've got people on cameras. We've got people running sound. We've got people running slides. We have parking teams in the parking lot. We have kids that are being just taught by amazing leaders. We have people holding babies. We have people making coffee. We have greeters. We have security team people who are here and they're like little ninjas all around the, the, the sanctuary. You don't know where they are, but they're there. Those are the heroes making the services happen every single week. And I think we should give it up for those guys because they crush it every single week. You guys are doing an amazing job. But I want to tell you something. You go to any of those people. Go to any of those people and I'm going to tell you, you ask them, they, they will probably tell you that it was the service that they served in that was the most meaningful part of their day. Why? Because they were no longer in this receiving mode but they were serving. They were doing something significant to point to the eternal and that became their focus. That's why Jesus said in John 6, 27, he said, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Here's what I've noticed about people who serve. They are not thinking about their own issues as much as, they, as, much as most people do, even though they're there. They're not worried about what's going on in their own life. They're, they're serving God and they're serving other people. You know why? It's because they have something in their life that outweighs it. And I think I can speak for all of our staff here that we want you to get involved in something that matters. If you want to shift your focus, start serving. Stop just coming to church to receive, but take what you receive and pour it out. And let me help you out. Starting next week, we're adding an additional service, which means it's an additional time for you to serve. So we're going to have a Thursday night service at 7. Then we're going to add one more on Sunday at 9 o'clock, at 10.15, and at 11.30. There's another service just for you to serve. If you're not serving, find a team. Come talk to me. We've got places for everybody. You want to shift your focus off of the temporary things? Get plugged in and start serving. Here's the third one. You ready? You got to give. And you guys knocked this one out of the park. But giving is truly one of the greatest ways that you can keep your sight and your eyes on what matters. What would happen if we chose to let God use our stuff to make a difference for eternity? I'm not talking about just finances. But I'm talking about your abilities, your resources, everything that he's blessed you with. How can you? You let him use that to point people to him. I've heard it said this way, and I love this quote. It says, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Psalm 112.9 says, they share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. When it comes to giving, here's the question I want you to ask yourself this year. What can I do to leverage what I have to make the biggest difference I can. Let me say it again. What can I do to leverage what I have to make the biggest difference that I can? What would happen if we chose to truly live a generous life? I mean, lives that were so incredibly generous that where you're making a difference everywhere you go. This year, I believe God's challenging us to shift our focus off of the temporary things 
of the world and onto the things that he cares about, the eternal things. And so we've already said we're going to pray, right? We're going we're gonna to let heaven become our reality. We're going to serve. We're going to do something that matters. We're going to do something that makes a difference. We're gonna, this is going to be the year that if you're not on a team, you're going to get on a team, right? This is going to be the year that you get on a team if you're not, right? We're getting off the sidelines and into the game, right? You're going to take what you receive and you're going to pour it out, right? And here's the last one. You want to shift your focus? Share Jesus. Share Jesus. Because if we really believe that heaven and hell are real, we have to step up in this area. We have to do whatever we can to point our friends, point our families, point our neighbors to Jesus. I think to not do that is to ignore or to forget that heaven and hell are real. And there are people and there are families and there are neighbors and coworkers that we interact with every single day that need to hear the hope of Jesus. And I wanna challenge you, yeah, this new year we've talked about we're gonna pray more, we're gonna serve, we're gonna give. But if you don't do anything else, invite someone to church. Invite someone to hear the good news of Jesus. Invite someone to come to Upward to experience what God is doing here every single week. And I promise you that when that moment comes and every head bows and every eye closes and people start responding to the good news of Jesus and that person you invited slips up their hand, there's not a problem in the world that's gonna be any bigger than what just happened. You know why? Because your focus has shifted off of your circumstances and you've put it on the things that are eternal and that really matter. I'm excited about this new year. I believe that when we pray, really pray, that we're not just coming up and just saying, God, it's all about me. None of that self-centered prayer. But when we start praying what he wants, and when we start serving the way he's called us to serve, and when we start giving the way he's blessed us to give, and we start sharing Jesus every single day, our focus is going to shift. We're not going to be as focused on the temporary things anymore. We're not going to be chasing the wind. We're going to be chasing him. We're going to be running as wide open as we can. And I believe that when we do that, we're going to, be, we're going to find ourselves in a place just like Paul, no matter what life throws at us we're gonna be able to say, therefore, I do not lose heart. Because I know where my focus is. Amen? Amen. Can you bow your head and can you close your eyes for me? You may be here today. You may be here. You may be watching online. I, I just wanna pray for those who may be here. And you say, Luke, you know what? I, did, I don't even know if I have a relationship with God, but I want it. Maybe you look at your life and you find yourself far away from God or maybe there was something that happened and it's, it's turned you off and you found yourself walking away from him, but today you feel him drawing you back. You know, Jesus says in Revelation chapter three that he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks and he knocks and he knocks. Think about that, he knocks, he doesn't barge in. He doesn't wanna come to condemn you and point fingers at you and bash you. 
He wants a relationship. And if that's you today, you're here and you don't know if you have that relationship or maybe you did and you don't anymore, but you want it back, I encourage you to answer that knock. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here and you're watching online. You'd say, Luke, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I wanna be in relationship with him again. If that's you, can you just slip up your hand wherever you are? If maybe you're here tonight, maybe you're watching online, you can let us know there as well. What I wanna do is I wanna pray real quick in church. I want you to help me as well. I just wanna say a simple prayer. If this is you and you're ready for a relationship with, with Jesus, I want you just to repeat this prayer after me. The church is gonna help me say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. God changed my life. Today I surrender completely to you. I make Jesus my Lord and the number one in my life. Thank you for your salvation in Jesus' name. Now with heads bowed, eyes still closed, I wanna pray for those that may be here today and you say, Luke, you caught me. Life's just not what I thought it would be. No one knows I've been smiling. Everything looks great, but I, I've been not been enjoying life very much. But today I really wanna give my life to God and shift my focus off of the temporary stuff and put it on Him. I just wanna pray for you. If, if that's you and you say, yeah, I, it's time to shift my focus a little bit. Is that you? Can you just slip up your hand? No one's gonna embarrass you. I just want to pray over you guys. If that's you and you're like, yeah, I need to shift my focus on what matters. God, I just pray right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, for every person who's discouraged, who's lonely, or for the ones that have just been trying to satisfy their life, God, through things that they found out really don't work. So God, I pray today that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them. God, that 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 you would let them focus in on this new year on you and on the things of you, God, and the things of heaven. God, I pray that our whole church, God, for new levels of prayer, new levels of serving, new levels of giving, and new levels of sharing the amazing story of your son, Jesus, to every opportunity that we give. God, I thank you, God, that no matter what we face, as long as we're with you, we can we don't have to worry about losing heart. We're so thankful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. I just bless you tonight with the ability to shift your focus, to take your mind off of your situations, your circumstances, and to see what he is trying to do in your life. I bless you with the ability, I guess the consciousness, to see the difference and to up the prayer you're serving, you're giving and for opportunities to share him this week. And in that same power, we commission you to go out and impact your community for him. Amen. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.